Oh man, I really gotta... Oh. Okay. I think we're a go-go. Alright, so... Today... I I don't know, I've, I always... Like, love the idea of being on the radio. And podcast is a new radio... So here I am, I guess. They said that I could even re- I could even have music imported here. So like it really is just the radio. So I'm just going to talk about random stuff because I do talk <laughs> I talk to myself a lot. So like it's just kind of recording this. And I think the idea of recording yourself and watch or listening in this case later in life is quite an interesting topic, especially because today I was cleaning, um, listening to some Vaporwave, shout out to my boy Arion, and I found, uh, cassette tapes. I was like, wait a minute, hold on, where is the cassette player? Like, I don't know. So, like, I found it, and I was like, I can finally play all this stuff. Because I remember, I have very, very faint memories of recording myself like all the time and like you know my little sister just like talking and doing random stuff like all the time when I was little so like but I never played that back so like these recordings are probably like eight nine years old I don't even know so just the idea of like actually no I don't know where I'm going with that anyway so like I just think it's really interesting and yeah um, I got sidetracked because I was thinking, I hope the quality isn't too bad, because I just dropped my earbuds in cleaning water, I mean, like, you know, a bucket of water, which I've been using to clean the whole basement, so that's probably not the cleanest, so I can't use my earbuds as the microphone, so I'm just using my phone, like, the one on the outside, so I hope that's okay, nobody's gonna be listening to this anyway, I don't know who I'm even gonna send this link to, probably just gonna be you, Ariane, but, like, We'll see. Anywho. So yeah. I'm listening to this tape I made so long ago. And it's just so funny to me. Like, I'm, I literally don't even sound the same. I sound like a little boy. Which is really strange. It's just, but then also, I say all these things which I would still say to like this day. Like, my humor really hasn't aged all that much. I just like, because this was before the internet, or, I mean, this wasn't before the internet, this is before I began using the internet, so, this is some, like, pure reaction stuff, and it's just so funny to me, I guess, I don't know, but yeah, cassette tapes are always, I don't know, I just like the idea of cassette tapes and stuff, like, everything, I don't want to be like, oh yeah, modern life sucks, modern life is rubbish, <laughs> some might say, okay, Heads up. Alright. Modern Life is Rubbish by Blur. Ooh. <laughs> Next song. Maybe. I don't know what songs I'm going to play. If I am at all. But in my head, the idea of living in the 90s or the prior is just like so romanticized. I'm like, man, I would love to live then. Because even if even though we didn't they didn't have any like so like not social media but like any like real like obviously modern technology that we use and take for granted every day i feel like you wouldn't you of course you wouldn't miss it you know if you never knew what it was so like i feel like everybody was just so much happier and so much 
simpler. It was such a simpler time. Like now everything is so complicated. The littlest things are so complicated. There's just like so much drama, I guess. I don't know. Not like necessarily with me, but like I just hear all the time, ooh, the drama. But like I know there was drama, of course, when back in the old days, (laughs) but never like it's just like so many things get so blown out of proportion nowadays and not even like being like pc huh as they say but like just like random people get so mad over things that don't even matter and like it's so easy to just like spread your opinion and spread stuff online so kind of sucks so anyway Life was simpler back then when we had when cassette tapes were <laughs> a big thing. I cu- I took me a while to figure out how to work that thing too. Like I'm so <laughs> I'm so awful. I forgot that there's side A and side B, so I was like, why is there nothing here? Actually, I was gonna record this on a cassette tape and like you know listen back to that in like 20 years or whatever. It's probably never gonna be found again if I record it on a cassette tape surprised I found that at all because I genuinely haven't listened to that in years and it's so funny um so yeah I'm really bad at talking so I'm probably being very circular and since I have nothing I'm just literally alone in my basement I hope the rest of my family can't hear me blabbing because now I've made it very clear that there is nobody here but like I do have a future audience perhaps I was always talking on the cassette like there was a huge audience, because I'd be like, Ava, say something to the people, say something to the people listening, I'm like, who, who would be listening, but like, I don't know, it's just interesting, so yeah, um, where was I, I should have made a note with, like, things I wanted to say, hold on, okay, we're back, um, so yeah, I was just thinking about, like, sometimes I'm like, man, I should just, like, completely get rid of all like, social media and stuff, but then again, I, I've, I know what it is, so, you know, I'd be like, oh, you know, and then, like, I feel like I'd I'd miss out on so much, because a lot of people communicate solely through social media or something like that, so, like, I'd miss out on a lot of things with, like, actual people that I know, you know, and, like, if I got rid of my phone, then (laughs) nobody would ever talk to me ever, because nobody calls, and they'd have to call my home phone, which would be really awkward. That's the one thing I like about now is that we have phones just so, like, you can, like, call people whenever. And, like, it's literally not even that big of a deal at all. So, like, that's cool. But, like, oh, God, this is going absolutely nowhere. Maybe I'll change the subject. All right. Um, hmm. <laughs> I really should have thought about this more. But I was so... I was so intent on talking about something. I was like, I want to make a podcast. And I just, I didn't think through it enough. Usually I think through things a lot. Maybe let's listen to more of this uh, cassette right now. Because I only went through about about half of it, I think. So let's see. Let's hear, uh, like, (laughs) I don't even know, seven-year-old Alana. Welcome to Blob World. This is the only place where humans haven't been yet. Go Blob World! Okay, um, so yeah, that was me, just yelling, but 
I can with that, to be honest. <laughs> I get that. I think, I don't know, it's kind of funny to see where I was, how, how life was, I guess. It's just, like, you know, where I was and how I would have that available. So yeah, I keep on stopping recording because people keep on coming downstairs because as I stated, I'm in my basement. It'd be like that. So yeah, um, I've decided I'm going to do album reviews because really, that's all I care about. Because a while ago, I just started writing down an album review, like, I don't know, but like I wrote it in like a script format, so that's kind of weird actually. Cause like I I don't know where I would ever like actually record it, but now I have an outlet. So, uh, here we go. Let's go. So this is Squeeze's "Sweets from a Stranger" album. Actually, I should pull up the track list. Cause, uh, truth be told, I don't know it off the top of my head. Sweets from a stranger. Anywho, while I'm getting that up, "Sweets from a Stranger." It was released in 1982, the year Squeeze broke up. Now, this is interesting because I personally think it's (laughs) one of their greatest albums. Yeah, one of their greatest albums. But really, a lot of people, like reviewers and stuff, and just Squeeze fans in general, don't really like this album. Which, like, I get because um, it is kind of like um, not as good as their previous album. And that's probably because they're falling apart as a band together, you know? So, it's kind of sad, but... And plus, it was a lot less popular, because in 1981, like, they were on, like, top of the world. They were, like... Well, actually, no. 1982 was good. So, anyway, I don't know what I'm talking about. Anywho, I still think the album is really good, and that's why I'm gonna do a review of it. So... Oh man, I wrote all this stuff. Should I, like... (laughs) I'll read it off, and then I'll kind of, like, improv it a little. So, I wrote, Released in 1982, the year Squeeze broke up. You can hear notes of the members getting out of touch with each other. Some would say... Or no, okay. Getting out of touch with each other. Lyricist and half of Squeeze's songwriting team, Chris Difford, was going through personal struggles during this time, which affected relationships with relations with lead singer and songwriter songwriting partner Glenn Tilbrook. Therefore, the quality of the songs diminished. This resulted in a more toned-down songs, musically and lyrically, a stark contrast to the abundant high-energy tracks found on their previous records. Some would say Sweets from a Stranger is a disappointing follow-up from their previous album, East Side Story, which attained decent commercial success. However, I believe the album is still pretty solid, with some pretty great tracks. <laughs> wow. Um, the album starts off with Out of Touch, get it? Which is on the slower side. And honestly, not the- oh, I should play it! Man! Um, okay, so yeah, that was the scripted part. If, <laughs> if y'all weren't aware... So yeah, it's just like disgusting 80s song. I'll have it playing very quietly in the background while I'm talking. This is real like real real radio. So yeah, out of touch, it's not really that happy because it's about like how the singer is like or like the character I guess is like 
I'm cheating on my wife, and she, like, knows, kind of. Or, no, she doesn't know, because I, like, never even talked to her, so she wouldn't even really know. And it's just kind of like, oh, that's kind of depressing, because, like, you know, the, the marriage is, like, sucky. So, yeah. But I, I said, despite this, the use of keyboard synth sounds quite interesting, and the song has an interesting structure, with a nice complete tone change from the verse into the chorus, which is true. It's like, because it has this like weird drum beat here, and then there has like this bridge, where it's just really catchy, which is really why I like this song, because it just, it really is quite catchy, and of course, uh, Glenn's vocals are very nice, and... I rate this song a 7 out of 10 because it's decent and nothing special. And I definitely wouldn't have put it at the beginning of their newest, or like, of the album, you know. It's not the best opener. So the next song on the album is I Can't Hold On. And it's a lot faster, which I, th- I mean, and I believe it was a single. So really, this should have been the opener, in my opinion, if I would have rearranged this. Thanks a lot, Elvis Costello, for being a terrible producer. No, I'm kidding. He did a pretty good job, I think. They made they let him sing backing vocals, which I will get to later. So yeah, can hold on. It has very, uh, very like good imagery in the vocal. I mean, in the lyrics, like the description of things, just really interesting, and I really like that. That's what I like in songs. So, I actually, I mean, this is like. For me, it's I, I think it's a very good song. And it really... Like, songs like this is what sets apart... Sets apart... Squeeze from the rest of, like... <laughs> from the rest of the bands. But, yeah, I just... Like, this is a very good squeeze song. A very good, like, example of a classic squeeze song, I, I think. And it has a very good piano solo from the keyboardist Don Snow, which... They don't have that many piano solos, especially when Jules left, because he was a very talented pianist, of course, Jules Holland, and he went on to do his own things, and yeah, they don't really focus too all too much on keyboards, so it's very nice to hear it uh, on this track. Points of View is the third song, and this is, like, one of my favorite songs. I'm not quite sure why, but I would literally listen to this song like, eight times a day. Like, I don't even know why. It's just, like, so good. I guess it tells, like, a really nice story, and the vocals are, like, I don't know how to describe it. It's, like, tender. It's just, like, so sweet. Like, and you can, like, kind of, like, hear, like, the heart, the pain and the heartbreak in his voice. It's just, like, so sad. Y'all know? <laughs> you know? And, like, there's, like, a weird, uh, bridge thing where it's like experimental but like it it kind of messes with the flow of the song and I don't know I still kind of like it because I'm just like so used to it at this point so like I don't really mind it and I think it adds something special like I'm glad that they were trying to like expand their music and be different so to, like, their previous stuff, which they didn't really do all too much of this, like, weird kind of sounding stuff. So, glad about that. Um, yeah. This is one of my, well, as I stated, this is one of my personal squeeze songs. Favorite squeeze songs. Um, yeah, it just has very interesting 
like, wordplay and stuff, which is another reason why I like it so much. So I honestly give the song a 10 out of 10. Oh, and the previous song, um, I Can't Hold On, and that gets a 9 out of 10 for me. I'm sorry, I didn't, state, I didn't say that before. I'm going back into my debate words. Sorry, that's weird. I guess that's what happens when I'm not scripted. I just immediately go to, like, big words. Um, yeah. So the next song is Stranger Than the Strangers on the Shore. And it is, as the title suggests, very strange, experimental. It's not very good. <laughs> Sorry. It has interesting lyrics and a nice upbeat tempo, but like the bridge is not good. <laughs> it's got like a like you know, Chris singing solo which with with his um unique voice, but like it's just I don't know. Not my cup of tea, but like if you're into like weird prog rock, you might like it. It's a worse version of the points of view bridge which was already bad to begin with so um well definitely one of the weaker songs on the album so this is like a five and a half out of ten or maybe a six i don't know so yeah next onto the dance floor it's this is probably the worst song on the album because it doesn't have like the same charm as some of the other songs like i can't hold on or i've returned and like it's just generally lacking like musically and uh, lyrically, it's like, I don't know, definitely a filler song, I'd say. Very 80s sounding, like pretty dated too, maybe that's why I'm not into it as much. I mean, for Squeeze, like, I, I do like a lot of like very 80s songs, but like, for them, I don't like it when they go very, very 80s. So, but like the bass line is good. So like, you know, listen out to that, listen out for that. If you're into bass, which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I give this one like a four and a half out of ten. <laughs> Oops. Um, Alright. Is that the end of this? I forget when the side switches. Oh, I think when the hangover strikes, this next one, number six, track six, is uh, the last song on side one. So it's it's a lot different from everything else on the album because it's like a slow jazz song. And it's, like, everything about it is just, like, so good, I think. It's got very, very good vocals on it, in, <laughs> in my opinion. Of course, everything I say is my opinion. This is a very biased review. But, like, because this is one of my favorite albums, to be honest. Because I'm very, I'm very critical, even though I'm rating these songs kind of low. This is still one of my favorite albums of all time. So, yeah, it's got very, very good vocals from, I wrote down, Mr. Tilbrook, and I think some of his best in, in, like, his whole career, his whole singing career, like, he sounds very, very good on this, and also, this guitar solo, it's very, very simple, but it really does get the job done, and, like, that's one of the things I really like about, uh, Glenn's playing style, is because he never shows off he just plays what is necessary, I think. Like, he does whatever is whatever needs to, like, complement the song. Like, he just does it. And he just knows, too. Like, it's never... Like, he never... I don't know. Sorry. Uh, podcasts are hard, man. Anywho, maybe I should... I wouldn't be that good at radio, because I can't, like, talk for hours on end. I hope nobody 
can hear me talking. This is also kind of embarrassing. Oh, God. Alright, so yeah. As, uh, once again, people keep on coming down and ruining this podcast. However, um, we're just going to power through, I suppose. Alright, um, where did I leave off? Oh, shoot. Literally, where did I leave off? Oh, yeah. Um, we were at... I got this down in a notebook because I'm literally... (laughs) Weird. This is... Oh, man. I'm so dumb. When the hangover strikes. Yes. Final answer. So, yes, when the hangover strikes... Um, I was talking about the solo. Really good. He's a great guitarist. I love him. Anyway, it has some very, very good lyrics from Chris. I think these are some of his best. Like, just in my opinion, I know everybody everybody has their own cup of tea, but honestly, the wordplay in this is just so smart. And, like, paired together with, like, the choice of vocals, I just think it's, like, a really, really good song. And I would actually give this 10 out of 10. Just gonna say. So... Side two, I think. That that would be right. So yeah, side two, track one, or track seven, if you're (laughs) digital, um, would be Black Coffee in Bed, the song that made me fall in love with Squeeze. Uh I wrote, oh, where do I begin? Once again, vivid lyrics from Difford was, with striking imagery, it pairs beautifully with Tilbrook's graceful vocals. He has said, oh yeah, so yeah, he was talking about how... He was trying to sound like Paul Carrick, who used to be in the band but then left because he's like, oh, well, since I got famous from Tempted, because that was the only song he sang. He sang Tempted, which was very, very good, of course. So, yeah, that got him very popular. And he's like, well, now I can do my own thing. So he's like, sayonara, squeeze. And then he left, which kind of sucked. Um, but then they got Don Snow, who's obviously very talented as well. So, yeah. Glenn said that he was trying to imitate Paul Carrick's vocals when he sang Black Coffee in Bed, which is very interesting to me, because, I don't know, I I like Glenn's just voice, I don't know, because, like, I feel like it is a pretty classic Tilbrook performance, I don't know. He said he did a better job with the re-recorded version that they re-recorded, in 2010, uh, the t- 2010 compilation Spot the Difference. So, I don't know. I don't think so because I think he sounds too old and I prefer his youthful voice. But that's just me. A lot of people might prefer the more, like, I don't know, grit. I'm not really sure. Anywho, I think he did a great job on the vocals, just in general. And the song <laughs> is over six minutes long, which. At first, of course, I was like, I was a bit wary about, but sometimes, yeah, it just needs to be that long. I don't know if this is an example, though, because it is very, very repetitive, so maybe they could have done without a verse or something made this more radio-friendly, but hey, the heart wants, wants what it wants. Good thing is, it has a very, very good guitar solo in it instead of another chorus, too. This guitar solo is just so, like, good, in my opinion. Like, everything about it is just perfect. It just flows so nicely across the entire fretboard, which is all, it's just, like, like, very nice to hear, and, like, as, like, technically, 
like, because, you know, I, I doodle on the strings a little. I think it's just very interesting how he did that. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. The backing vocals are another very interesting thing about this song. Um, it features Paul Young, who is some random, like, new wave guy that I guess they were friends with, and Elvis Costello, of course, who was a friend of Chris's and also produced their previous album, East Side Story, along with this one. So... Yeah, there's this part at towards the end of the song where I like when I first heard of this song, I like heard it. I was like, "Why did they do that?" Cuz it's just this guy. It's like they're just like, you know, winding the song down. It's like kind of getting softer, you know. And you can just hear this guy and he just goes, "No milk or sugar, black coffee and and you're like, "What? What? Why?" And it turns out, uh, it's an ad-lib from none other than Costello. So, thanks for that, Elvis, I guess. I rate this a 1,000 out of 10, because it's the best squeeze song. Yeah, okay. So next song is I've Returned. This song is like, I don't know, I just love this this song so much. It's just such like a poppy song, but it's got the this wordplay that just like it's so interesting to me. And I just like it's like a cl- it's another classic squeeze song. Like if you, I mean, not if you, but like if I were to be like, "Hey, listen to Squeeze," but they're like, "I already know the hits, but like I want to know some deeper tracks." I definitely show them I've returned cuz it just bops to be honest. Um great like visuals in in the lyrics so yeah all right so i've been interrupted so many times i hardly even feel like a podcasting anymore but i want to finish this review so here we go so i think we left off on the end of what was that i returned oop I've returned. Yeah, so I've returned. So I give that 9.5 out of 10, if I didn't say that already. Anyway, so next song is Tongue Like a Knife. And, like, I see how a lot of people maybe wouldn't like this song, but I actually really, really like this song. It's got such, like, an interesting melody, and I like the difference, like, the very large difference, I guess, between the verses and the choruses, like, but they still just lead together so nicely together, and once again, like, I say this every time, but the lyrics on this one are just, like, they're just, like, so cool, I think, they tell, like, such a cool story, and, like, um, the weird, like, changes between the verse and the chorus is, yeah, and then there's, like, a like, where all the music except for the ba- the walking bass line cuts out, and it's just uh, the vocals and the bass. And I just think that's really interesting. And just, like, I feel like this song really keeps the listener, like, interested in the song. So I actually really like this one. And, of course, it features the classic squeeze harmony where Glenn, are, Glenn and Chris are singing one octave apart. Of course, Glenn with the higher vocal, Chris with the octave below. And... Even though their voices sound very different, they do blend together very well, which is, I guess, why they started doing that thing, because Chris couldn't actually do, like, a real vo- a real harmony, so they're like, just go the octave below, how hard could that be, right? So that's what happened, and now that's, like, one of their signature sounds, pretty much. So yeah, Tongue Like a Knife, uh, 
Eight out of ten. I like that one. Next up is His House, Her Home. And speaking of Chris, this is his one, his singular solo, uh, like, vocal performance. So yeah, he sings lead vocals on this song. And honestly, like, I think he does a pretty good job. He's always so hard on himself. Like, in interviews, he's like, oh yeah, I'm such a rubbish singer. And all that, and all that luck. But really, I think he did a decent job. Like, there are a lot of worse singers out there. He's really too hard on on himself. And like, as I say every time, man, this man knows how to write some lyrics. Like this, like it tells like a pretty like nice story, I think. I mean, actually, you can interpret it how you want. But like, nevertheless, it's very interesting. And it, it gets you thinking, at least. You have to interpret the lyrics a little. Um, yeah. Let's see. This house, her home. Oh, the there's a very good harmony in here, too. I've, I really enjoy that. So, yeah, I'd give this one... I'd give it, like, 7.5 out of 10, maybe. Pretty good. The very first dance um, is the next one after that, track 11. Um, probably the worst one? Wait, no. Actually... No. I, t- I totally take that back. Um, this song is actually pretty okay. Once again, it's, like, I said, uh, kind of bad. Like, it's definitely not the best, because it's very dated. Uh, I said my opinion on that earlier. But, yeah, I think it's very, it's, like, kind of different. Like, it's one of their experimental tracks, but it's the best attempt at it, I think. Kind of surprising that they put it so far at the end, the second to last track. But, really... I think they did a good job on it, like, the, the chorus is catchy, um, I mean, it's not that good, but, like, it's not the worst one, I I think, so, I'll give it 7 out of, no, 6 and, yeah, 6 and a half out of 10, so, like, it's still decent, pretty good job. Okay, the last song on the album is The Elephant Ride, and honestly, this one, like, bops. This one straight up bops. But it's, it's, like, really slow, but, like, it's, like, a slow bop, you know? It's almost entrancing, or, yeah, it's almost entrancing, I think that's the word, the way the intro goes, and it just, like... I don't know, it like leads you into the the ver the first verse and like it almost like the song really like I wouldn't say tries to put you to sleep, but it does sound like somebody's trying to like kind of hypnotize you in a way. But like in the best way possible. Like I think it's very interesting. And like I'm glad not all their songs sound the same. You know, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has to you know, fumble a little before finding their footing in something new. So, like, I really think that this is a good job at their more experimental things. I mean, I say experimental in air quotes because, you know, it's nothing too far out there, but, like, it's a lot different than their more poppy stuff that they did even the year before. So, yeah. So that's the end of the album. I think I think that's a, actually a pretty good way to end it. There was a, another version of this album that came out. I think it must I don't know. 
it it came out a little bit after. It might have been maybe the U.S. version or maybe it was like the deluxe edition or something. And it had two more songs. But it wasn't on the original, so I guess we're not going to go over that. Even though uh, one of the songs on there, When Love Goes to Sleep, that that used to be one of my favorite songs. I'm not even really sure why. But like, it, like, wow. Actually, I'm going to play that. That's how we're going to go out tonight, folks. When, when love goes to sleep. I just spelled everything wrong. I really can't type and talk. No, oh my god, I spelled it so wrong, even Google doesn't know what I'm talking about. Really? I really gotta do... YouTube isn't even on YouTube? Man. Okay, so it's not even on YouTube. We really be out here, folks. So yeah, maybe we can't go out on that song. That's pretty tragic. Because I really do enjoy that song. Hold on. Um... I'm going to find a way to put that song in. Hold on a sec. Okay, so yeah, that was, um, <laughs> that was, uh, When Love Goes to Sleep. Okay, so yeah, I looked it up, and those were the bonus tracks from the 1997 to 2008 reissue. And, what, I can't get up anymore, I believe that was the, that must have been a single. I can't get up anymore. I mean, because, okay, because... The first time I heard this album, that was before I, like, had my fake Spotify premium. I So, I got the album from the library, and I burned it out of my computer, and then transferred it to my phone. So, I was, like, listening to it like that. So, I must have gotten the 1997 reissue, because I got I Can't Get Up Anymore and When Love Goes to Sleep. So, really, I think I do consider that part of the album. I Can't Get Up Anymore. That's a really good song, actually. It has really good... Once again, uh, this is what I say for every song. But I maybe it's just me. Maybe I just really like Glenn's voice. But, like, I think he did a really good job on the vocals here. And... Um, I'm trying to, I'm, like, playing the song through my head. I haven't heard the song in so long, actually. Now that I think about it... Uh... But it is very good. I actually... Oh, God, now all these... Uh, erectile dysfunction videos are coming. Get it? I can't get up anymore. Haha, <laughs> haha. I mean, yeah, it's a bit 80s. But I really think it's good. <laughs> Not everything can be so timeless. So, yeah. We really be out here. Maybe I should have ended on that other song, because really, in the reissue, this song comes first. This is track 13, and then When Love Goes to Sleep is number 14. So yeah. Slightly quieter, I guess. Anyway, this has been Alana's podcast. In, I don't know how long this is going to be because I recorded in so many sections. Or, yeah. So, we're going to see how this goes. Hopefully nobody listens to this. And, yeah. So, everybody, have a great day. And bye. <laughs>